Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Well, today I'm going to minister on something and I guess I, you know, you probably know us pretty well if you've been with us and I don't usually minister along these lines, but I just felt it's kind of picking up in some places where Passy left off last week and uh, it's just uh, making uh, Christians aware of what's going on. So I'm calling this world events in Christian. And so I guess uh, after all these years, I've never spoke along these lines before, but I think uh, the times that we're living in, I think it's really good to be aware what's going on in the world and how it affects Christians. And uh, I, my heart especially goes out to the younger people along these lines too. I remember talking to somebody that was younger uh, a while back and they, they just really thought, you know, what's this big deal about Israel? And so even, you know, there, there's sometimes like we don't, you know, the, years ago, um, it seems like when I first became a Christian, there was just a lot more times that we got together. We had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, and so there was a lot of different meetings. And uh, so eventually you heard some things that were really helpful. And I, I heard a, a long time ago about Israel, you know, and I had, I got an understanding. But even in these last days, you know, like we've been in the church age, but as we come to the end of an age, you know, the, you know sometimes things overlap but Israel is going to eventually come back into the scene here. So this has been the church age, but God hasn't, he's, he's going to start dealing with Israel again. And it's even important for us to know as Christians, you know, what should our attitude be even about Israel? The message isn't just going to be on Israel today, just so you know. But I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into it. So Father, I just thank you that you helped me today minister your word. Uh, trust you, Father God, to help me as I uh, do go along some lines that I haven't gone along uh, ever. So, Father, I trust you that you help me to minister this, and uh, I thank you, Father, that all those that are listening, that they would have ears to hear in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, basically, I got, I have three, you know how I like to put things in categories, so there's three categories. I'm just saying the unfolding plan of the world, because there there's a plan uh, apart from Christianity that's unfolding, and then prophetic scriptures pointing to events. We're going to look at a few. There's so many. We, you know, this is just a, a little taste. And then the believer's handbook to the end times. And of course, that can be a big handbook. And so we're just going to, you know, some of these we can't put a lot of time into. But let's start off here with this, the unfolding plan of the world. And let's look at a familiar scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, in which you, were one, you once walked, following the course of the world, and please notice the world is on a course, following the prince of the power of the air, also notice the course of the world, uh, uh, the prince of the power of the air, he is designing, and he has been designing, a course for the world. Now, I know someone might think, well, I thought God was in control of all of it. Well, the Bible actually says the devil, you know, it talks about him and what influence he has on the earth. So, of course, God created the world and he created the universe and they belong to him. But there's this season during the church age that the devil, he, he's been, he's the, the Bible calls him the God of this world. So he's against 
Jesus Christ and against God, and he has, there's an unfolding plan, that he, and it's all designed against God and against Jesus. And, and as we look at Scripture, you'll understand. So it says you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So anyone that doesn't know Jesus Christ is a possible candidate for cooperating with the devil. And I even noticed it in our family growing up before we became Christians. I had six brothers, and some of them were much more influenced by the devil than others. And I, I think you've probably heard that my oldest brother, he thought he was so good because all he did was, you know, before he was saved, he just looked at magazines that he shouldn't be looking at. And he thought that was not so bad because my brother Joe and Mike, like they, my brother Joe, he, he robbed homes. My brother Mike was in a gang. They went out and fought. So my brother Jim thought he was good compared to them. But none of us were Christian, you know, and I had my own things too, which I, I won't even say. But <laughs> you've probably heard before. So, you know, each person is a candidate for the devil to use because the spirit of disobedience will work in them. Now, when we become Christians, of course, we still have our flesh, and the devil can't get in on the inside of us. You know, he can oppress us and depress us, but we can't be possessed because our spirits are reborn. But still, Christians sometimes yield to their flesh, but it doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't mean that they're working with the devil when they yield to their flesh. And of course, when that happens, you need to go to the Lord and ask forgiveness and receive cleansing for that. But uh, let's look at this gr graphic, and I, I, I'm... I'm I don't want to get off on too many things. I have so much to share today, but there's such an easy way to teach. It's so easy to teach. So you remember this. I've done this a few weeks ago, but I'm revisiting it, and I just want to remind us of some things. So there's God's master plan. It starts at creation, ends at eternity. And then within that, we, we had a message a while back called plans within plans. There's God's plans for the church. Then if you look, there's the devil's plan against the church. And notice there's the beginning of the church age, which already started, and then there's the end of the church age, and we are the church. So uh, the world is on a course. The devil's designing his plan against the church and against God, but God, his plan and our mission is to get as many people saved, and we're the, God's plan is going to the second coming of Jesus. We're headed to the return of Jesus. That's where we're headed. And so we're going to look at some of these things today. So, but what this graphic reminds us about is God created everything. God has a master plan. It continues into eternity. Within that plan, God has a plan for the church, and the devil has a plan against the church. The devil isn't against any... Now, here's an interesting thing. The devil isn't against any faith like he is against Christianity. Now, he will get different faiths. He, he, you know different religions have fought each other and they've killed one another the devil will go after every individual because he kills steals and destroys and he'll do anything to kill people before especially before they accept jesus christ as lord but there's only one faith that he fights and we'll see it in scripture as a matter of fact let's just look revelations chapter 12 and verse 10 it says then i heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens it has come at last. Notice that's underlined. Salvation and power 
and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And so very interesting. Now, I remember uh, when I went and told, uh, before, when I first became a Christian, the church that we were going to, I remember that the book of Revelation really had an impact on me, but the church that I grew up in, they weren't born again. And so I went to the pastor and I said, what about, what about Revelations? You know, that's really scary. He goes, oh, that's already taken place. That's, fa that's finished already. And he just kind of like, you know, blew it off. But like, so Jesus, when he walked on the earth, he said, I saw Satan cast down. He, Jesus was up in heaven when Satan was cast down. That was one event. But this is a different event. And why is this a different event? It, it, it's because of this. It says, it has come at last. This is like at the end of time when Jesus is going to return. And it says, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Now, when Jesus was up in heaven, he saw Satan cast down. But now this is, this is during the church age. It says the devil now, is, he's going to be the accuser of our brothers and sisters. Those are Christians. He has been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And you know, we shouldn't accuse one. The devil accuses us, and let's not get in with him and accuse one another. Let's love each other, forgive each other, and, uh, and do that, okay? <laughs> but so this is, what we see here is, I, I like to say it this way, this scripture reveals the spiritual war that's going on there's a spiritual war going on and this scripture reveals it so it says what it has come at last what comes at last the kingdom of god and of christ and then how's it, how does it come well jesus is going to return and so i'm not ashamed to say and i never will stop saying jesus is coming back he's going to return now who gets defeated is the devil so we've looked at two scriptures so far, and here's, here's an interesting thought about these two scriptures. These two scriptures that we read, they identify the root of all tension that's going on in the world. And I don't know if you ever stop and thought about it, but the root of all tension that's going on in the world is revealed by these scriptures because there's a spiritual war that's going on. The devil's he's working on his plan against god and the church and god gave us a mission to get as many people saved as we can before jesus comes back and these two scriptures reveal that every tension in every people that are angry and people that are not getting along that's the root of it right there there's god's people and then there's people that aren't god being influenced by the devil we have to make sure we don't let ourselves become angry and get pulled into it but we're going to look at some things today okay so you're either for christ and if you're for christ you're not for the devil or you're either for the devil which means you're not for christ but but here's uh, you know in this this what this also reveals is and i want to make sure i say this it shows that the devil's biggest enemy is god jesus and the church okay that's that's who he's against all right so just um real practical then so rio de janeiro in brazil president uh jair bolsonaro i don't know if i pronounce that right an italian should be able to pronounce that right but i think it's bolsonaro 
So he is the president there now. And uh, here's what, I just want to read some quotes here. It says, Brazil, he, he said this, Brazil is changing because it has a government that respects family, owes loyalty to its people, and believes in God. Bolsonaro told the cheering crowd across the bay from Rio, Rio's Sugarloaf Mountain. Then he said, I'm a Christian and believe Brazil can reach its well-deserved place of prominence on the world stage. And then look at the person that wrote this article says, the far-right politician later added. Now, we're going to look at some things about the world and what's going on out there, but do you notice when there's a, a politician that says, I'm a Christian, and then he says that he respects family, and he wants to be loyal to their own people and help their people, putting their country first, and then he says that he believes in God, and he's a Christian, he's considered far right. So you understand the devil has a plan, and part of his plan is, of course, to turn the rest of the world against Christians. Okay, we shouldn't be surprised about that. So there's like a narrative and a language that the world speaks. So if you're for God, Jesus, family, if you're even for your own nation and you want your nation to do well, you're called like somebody on the right, far right. So very interesting that this president, when he was running, before he became president, he was stabbed. And he, you know, it, it hit the stab wound got in, it got his liver, I don't know if it was his spleen, but he had to have five surgeries to recover from being stabbed because what he represented, they went after him. So I'm going to bring a scripture then that Patsy brought in last week. Look at Psalm 2 and verse 1. It says, how dare the nations plan a rebellion? Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his anointed saying. So uh, that is prophetic because this is the book of Psalms, but it's prophesying to the future how the world leaders are going to come against God and who's the anointed king? Jesus. And who's the head of the church? Jesus. Okay. And then it says, let's come together and break away from the creator. Once and for all, let's cast off these controlling chains of God and of his Christ. So what you see there is very clear. The world will gather together. And, and as Christians, we need to be prepared for this, you know. And I, I was watching a, a, a preacher online, and he made this comment, and I don't know if I said it since the lockdown, but he said, he said, I felt like the, he said this, everyone, of course, everyone can say, I feel like the Lord told me this. Everyone has a right to say what they feel like the Lord said. So he said, I feel like the Lord told me this lockdown was a perfect opportunity to spend time with God. That's when, when you know, and get into the word and pray and get yourself right as a Christian, you, you know? And, and then the reason that he said that, he said, because, you know, we're coming into the last days and, and it's really going to be important that we're strong. Uh, and you'll see as we look into more things what I'm talking about. So, so the, the course of the world and what the devil has planned, you know, uh, we, we hear about one world government. Well, that's 
that's not, uh, that isn't a conspiracy theory because the Bible talks about it when everyone comes together. That's part of the devil's plan is to try to get a one world government. So it's not wrong to say that because, I, I mean, I actually enjoy conspiracy theories, but I don't bring them to the pulpit, okay? And so I don't believe that's a conspiracy theory because the Bible talks about a leader that's going to lead the world, all right? Uh, and then in Acts chapter 17, I want to just show you this concerning even uh, in Acts 17 and verse 26. We looked at this before. It says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So this is like God saying that nations have boundaries and everyone that lives in a nation, God had something to do with the nation that we live in and even the time period that we live in. So we're all here today, and who's ever watching online, guess what? God has determined that we, you know, and he dealt with us to move to Australia. I wasn't born here, but I don't take it as a, a small thing to move from nation to nation because he actually determined who's born where and what nation you live in and then he even determines the time that we're here. So we're all in this time, and it's an exciting time, but yet as we go further, we have to know there's going to be challenges as, this, as the, the, the world, the devil tries to do his plan, and we're assigned to do our plan. We have to know that we fight the good fight of faith, okay? Now look at this. I want to just show you concerning this about boundaries. I just thought it would be good to see what God says about this. Because I think every Christian should know if our prime minister stands up and says, I want to put Australia first and I want to help our country and our economy, how, what, how, what, what, you know, is that right? Well, it's just interesting, this portion of scripture in Numbers chapter 20, this is Moses and they're, they're, you know, they're trekking and they're traveling and it's interesting, he came to a country and it says Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom and here we are in Kadesh. I'm just jumping I'm, to save time. Notice what I'm doing there. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping over verses. Uh, and I even shorten them to save time. Here we are in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your territory. He's saying this to the king of that country. Please let us pass through your land. But Edom, that king said to him, you shall not pass through lest I come out with a sword against you. But he said, but he said you shall not pass through. He said it twice. So that's the same thing. And then he got a little more serious. He brought a large army out with a strong force. And then it says Israel turned away from him. So Israel respected that. So we could say this, that, you know, um, unless there is a justified war, God respects nations and he respects boundaries. And, we, and, and so that's, that's God's view. Now, I remember the first time we came to Australia, it's been now, what, about 16 or 17 years ago, we flew into Melbourne from, we were living in Singapore, and we thought, let's buy some, and now after living here and realizing that this has the best cookie company in the world, are not, is that how you pronounce it? In my opinion, they're the best cookie company in the world, you know, and uh, I, so many of their cookies are good, not just Tim Tams, okay? <laughs> And so we bought cookies over in Singapore to bring to Australia to the people we were meeting here, our friends. And now when I think back, we should have probably chose something else because, hey, you know, don't bring cookies to Australia. 
but um, we forgot to put it on our immigration thing. And so it's a Melbourne, and, and somehow they discovered it. And, you know, and, and I grew up in the States, and I know there's more Pacific Islanders there than when I was growing up, you know, and they play football, you know. But it just so happened the immigration guy in Melbourne was a Pacific Islander, and he, got, he came to me and he said, if you ever come to this country again and you don't declare food, you will be banned forever and you'll be fined. And I go, okay. <laughs> and I told Patsy, boy, they're tough over here. <laughs> but, you know, so, so nations, they can do that. They, they can protect their borders and they have a right to do that. So um, we could say each nation's sovereignty is marked by its boundary and each nation has the moral right to decide who will be given permission to enter its sovereign territory. And so we, we can say Moses recognized this, and we should too. And so the bottom line is that borders are biblical, and there are God's sovereign, they're God's sovereign design, and so they should be respected. So I, I just think it's like, and maybe my age group and all of us, we know that, but I think it's important for young people. I know what's being taught in schools nowadays, and for some reason, education around the world, they're not respecting sovereignty, and they're teaching things to young people. And, and so let young people know. Let them know these scriptures. God, God respects nations, and he respects borders. And just because something's taught in school, it doesn't mean they're correct. Just remember, we have God's word. And... We, we have his spirit, but the spirit of disobedience that works in people that aren't saved, a lot of them have to, uh, and we need to, this is something we need to pray for, that the right people get in the education system, and our kids are taught by Christians that have different beliefs. That's important. Is that okay? Now, um, here's a song that was written, that was written years ago, Okay? And uh, I'm going to read it, and then you can tell me who you think inspired the song. Was it God or was it the devil? So here, here goes. You know, and some, some prophets speak. You, um, you don't just give me a second before you put up. Some prophets, they speak, you know, for God. And then the devil has prophets that speak for him. So let's read this and say, here it is. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below above us only sky imagine all the people living for today you know that's their big mission just live for today imagine there's no country it isn't hard to do nothing to kill or die for and no religion too imagine all the people living life in peace <laughs> uh, anyway uh ima imagine no possessions I wonder if you can, no need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. And then here's the course. You know, the course was saying more than once, but I didn't want to use time up on it twice. So it says, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Now, I know some of you that are my age, you know who wrote that song. Go on and say the name. John Lennon. And and as a musician and an ex-singer, I don't sing as good as I used to, but man, those guys are amazing talents. And I respect their music and their songwriting, but that 
was influenced by who, you know, and so pointing to one world government and all that. So this song includes no religion, no heaven, no hell. It, it introduces wealth distribution that's controlled by a, a world government. That's what, that's, you know, and sometimes, you know, when they teach that kind of stuff in school, what they make young people believe is there's going to be wealth distribution with inside a nation, but these big world leaders, they're not going to give it to the middle class people. When they talk wealth distribution, they're going to take it from one nation and give it to other nations, and they're not going to, like, but, and so, but they tell, they make young people think it's going to be distributed amongst the people, and that's really not what they're doing. It's going to be a one world government with all the big leaders uh, doing what they want with the money. So I'm just telling the truth, you know, and I, I've never really, as I say, preached on these things, and uh, it, I'm a little uncomfortable doing it, but I feel like people need to know this, you know. So um, this, uh, this song then uh, is, you know, the wealth distribution is going to be controlled by a world government, uh, and the people that are in control, they're already wealthy, but believe me, they'll get more wealthy, and they'll get more power. Um, is if I need to hold a mic, I will. It's, um, and then, uh, so then, just with this in mind now, I'm, I'm going to put like put four pics up here. So like, do the first photo. So this is the American, and I couldn't find anything like this for Australia. But this is the American Empire in its media. You know, and it, there it's lined out. Can you do the next one, please? So and then here's another one. It just has. You know, it's another way to look at it, but they're all interconnected. And then go to the next one. So this is called, this is the total value of the big six. So whether you know it or not, there are six big corporations that own every news media in America. And then know that when America's news media does something, they all say the same thing. It goes around the world. And then the other news medias around the world, they repeat it. So, you know, Comcast, and then look at this. Then, then you've got Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and, and Alphabet, which I don't even know what that is, but it's uh, something. All right, so, so very interesting now. With all this said, could, I'd like to, you to listen to this video and see this play out. This is, and before you show the video, I'd like to also say there was a CIA agent in America. He was retired, and he did an interview, and he actually said that the CIA feeds things to the news media, not the good part of the CIA, the some of the bad agents in the CIA, they actually give narratives to the media, and here's what happens. Go on and play that video. Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to serve, serve our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS 4 News produces. But we are concerned about troubling trend that is responsible one-sided news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same stories.
that have deep differences. So one of the groups, and I won't even say names because I, I, I'm, I'm not out to get anyone, every single person that's doing wrong, some of them may purposely know what's right and they choose to do wrong and they get in with the devil's plan, but I believe there's a greater group that they're just innocent and they're just getting sucked in and Jesus died for all of these people. And so we shouldn't become angry about anything. This gives us stuff to pray for. It makes us aware. But our job is still to preach the gospel and get people saved. So what's interesting is some of the radical groups that kill homosexuals, and Jesus died for the radicals and the homosexuals, they actually, with this intersectionality, they start to work with homosexuals and different gender identities. It's a thing that... that what they're wanting to do is unite everyone except there's one group that doesn't fit in well with intersectionality guess who that group is the most persecuted faith in the world right now is christianity and so and so if a christian says there's only two genders and if it's okay to read that scripture go down like mark it says jesus said this he said but from the beginning of creation god made them male and female okay so if a Christian says there's two genders, that's hate speech. So sh are we supposed to now gather in with everyone and say, we want you to like us, and so you accept us, there's a hundred genders. When, you know, we know, and there's people that say there's a hundred different genders, and we know that in the beginning, God made two. So we, we want to make sure we don't flaunt our knowledge. We want to make sure we don't get angry we want to make sure we stay with compassion and pray for people but yet we cannot compromise the truth if we're christians we have to say what the bible says and so it's really important to be aware of all these things so this intersectionality thing what's so unusual about it it, it brings groups that used to hate there's like a new enemy the enemy was always there for these groups it was god jesus the savior and the church christians they've always been the enemy here but as the as time progressed you know the devil will keep working to try to bring god down and what god's doing so as these two thousand years almost since jesus rose from the dead new things arise so intersectionality is a way to join previous enemies will join together for a greater cause or a greater enemy and that's god jesus and the church so it's important to be aware of this now look at Luke chapter 6 and verse 22. It says, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil. Why? On the account of the Son of Man. And so somebody once said this. They said, you know, if you're not getting any persecution, maybe you're not much of a witness. <laughs> you know, and I know it's really easy sometimes. I mean, it's just easier to stay quiet and never say anything and then there's no person persecution that comes but as soon as we say something that god says or the bible says in this world is considered hate speech so even if we're hated jesus says love your enemies and do good to them he said if you get slapped you know if you get slapped on one side turn the other cheek so you know i'm not teaching any of this to get people angry and to get a mob but what we're doing, we need to be aware of it. We need to have compassion, love, keep praying, and know what our mission is. Is that okay? All right, so that said, just want to show you one more video, uh, and I, I'll switch over.
So this video here is, it's called The Great Reset. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can get it going again. Syria virus, but to shape the system. We have a unique but rapidly shrinking window of opportunity to learn lessons and reset ourselves on a more sustainable path. What is it that would make it so that history would look at this crisis as the great opportunity for reset? The Great Reset is a welcome recognition that this human tragedy must be a wake-up call. The world's problems fit on three sides of a triangle. It's one versus many, man versus nature, and the unfortunate foundation is long-term versus short-term. Any recovery stimulus should have green conditions attached to it. We have to change our economy dramatically in the next 20 or 30 years, and the next 10 years is absolutely decisive. The recovery has to be greener, than any of the previous recoveries. And then we need to couple that with new initiatives to equip more people with the digital skills they'll need. We have to live up to the expectations which we have created, and we will do so. On June 2nd, 2020, just a few months ago, a couple months ago, the founder now of the World Economic Forum in Davos, Klaus Schwab, wrote an article on their website in which he just comes right out with it. He says that COVID pandemic represents a, quote, rare but narrow window of, of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world, end quote. Those are my words. Those are his words. The world must act jointly and swiftly, says Mr. Schwab, to, quote, revamp all aspects of our societies and economies from education to social contracts and working conditions. Every country from the United States to China must participate and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed, end quote. So uh, very interesting, that, that, that happened not so long ago. So that's, it, what, what's the reset? It's the virus. So this virus that came the World Economic Group, they want to use it to reset the world. So it's all the powerful leaders that, of course, they want to start controlling every country, the money of every country, and all of those things. So I'm just letting you know, if you don't know, that's going on out there. We shouldn't be afraid of it, but it gives us something to pray for, and I just wanted to make everyone aware what, what is actually going on. We're really getting into the end times here. So it sounds all great and everything to do a reset, but uh, it's not what people think. It's just all going toward the one world government. So that said, let's just look at a few uh, scriptures. So like the Bible, in case you haven't looked at this part of it, the word last days is used three times in the Old Testament and five times in the New. So God talks about the last days three times in the Old, five times in the New. Then there's also the phrase, the end of time, and that's mentioned five times in the book of Daniel. Here's just one of the scriptures in Daniel. In 12.4 it says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Then it says, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And many of the end-time teachers believe knowledge increased because of the Internet. And then also running to and fro, many believe that's like airplanes and cars because when this was written, you know, they had horses, you know. And now in cars, you can really run to and fro and you can fly everywhere. So that's talking about the end times, you know, and it's looking ahead. And then I'd like to read a portion of Scripture to you 
that helps us to see, you know, like these are prophetic scriptures pointing to events. That's we're on our second thing that we wanted to look at. Uh, so look at in starting in Second Peter, chapter three and verse one, it says this letter, which I am now writing to you, dear friends, is my second letter. In both my letters, I seek to revive your honest minds, the memory of certain things. That means we can forget if we don't remind ourselves. And then verse 2, it says, So that you may recall the words spoken long ago by the holy prophets and the commandments of our Lord and Savior given to you through the apostles. Two sources of information. The prophets of old, as you notice there, it's written for us. And then also the foundational apostles. That, uh, and they, they were the ones that wrote the Bible. So that's what it's talking about. You have these two groups of people, and they're our source of information. And in verse 3, it says, But above all, remember that in the last days men will come who make a mock at everything. Men govern by their own passions. Okay, verse 4, and asking... What has become of his promised return? That's Jesus coming back. For from the time our forefathers fell asleep, all things continue as they have been ever since the creation of the world. So these are unsaved people. They're ruled by their fleshly passions. They don't want Jesus to return. Now, I remember when I was not married, and I know some of you that are not married, sometimes you think, man, Jesus, don't come back till I get married, you know. And, I, and it's, it's like I love Jesus, but I thought, just wait a little while. So I understand that because we, we've done that. But th that's different than people that hate God <laughs> and Jesus. They don't want him to return, and, and they mock you. And so they, they mock, and, uh, and, and so this is what's going on. Uh, and they have their own measuring stick, and their measuring stick is, look, all things continue as they have been ever since the creation of the world. They made up their own measuring stick, and they mock because Jesus hasn't come back yet. Going on to verse 5, it says, For they are willfully blind to the fact that there were heavens which existed of old and an earth, the latter arising out of water, and extending continuously through water by the command of God. And so this talks about God's awesome power at creation, and they, they choose to ignore that. They close a blind eye to it. And then verse 6, and that by means of these, the then existing race of men was overwhelmed with water. That's the flood. That's referring to the flood. And so the New Testament refers back to the flood. And then verse 7, it says, but the present heavens... And the present earth are filled by the command of the same God, kept stored up, reserved for fire, in preparation for the day of judgment and of destruction for the ungodly. And then, uh, yeah, so I'm going to just stop there and say this, you know. So actually, you know, if you're a Christian, you should have understanding to know where we're going. So I, I just wanted to bring this up, you know. I think we should pray and be compassionate for everyone. So Greta Thunberg, I think, I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name, what they did to her in school was sad. Here's a girl that had a nice home and a nice family, and they convinced her that her youth was stolen from her over climate change. Now, you understand that the media then, they had the same script, and it went worldwide. She became a hero overnight. And then if you're a Christian, you read the Bible, and what do we just read? 
that this earth is going to be burnt up. And so we're here on a mission, and our mission is to get people saved, and we should know where we're going. So when you see somebody like Greta, you think, Lord, help her. Pray for her that she gets saved. But that's not the only thing. What about our children? What are they trying to do to our children because they have no understanding of where we're going? And Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, I'm not going to get in like real technical here. There's going to be a new heaven and earth. And God has no fear or no worries about this earth. It doesn't mean we should trash the planet. I think we should be good stewards of the planet. But when you have revelation knowledge, you can really have peace because we know the end from the beginning. Is that okay to say? But so it's amazing, though, there was one of, it was like a script. Every, every media outlet saying almost the same thing. And um, okay, so then let's move on. Uh, let me see where I was at here. Um, the next verse, like verse number eight, it says, but there is one thing, dear friends, which you must not forget. With the Lord, one day resembles a thousand years. And a thousand years resembles one day. What is he saying? People are mocking, saying, where is he? But with the Lord, what he's saying is a thousand of our years is only like one day to him. And so he's coming back. We might think, well, it's taken so long. But he is coming back, even though for us humans, it seems like it's taken a long time. It's only a few days for him. Okay. So he, uh, and then in verse number nine, it says, the Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promise in the sense in which some men speak of slowness, but he bears patiently with you, his desire being that no one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There is our mission. So right mixed in with all these end time things, he's going over our mission. The reason Jesus has taken a lot, the, the, the father hasn't sent him back is because he wants as many people to get saved as possible before he sends Jesus. So now I'm going to just finish up and do a few more verses, and then we're going to uh, close up soon. But so look at verse 10. It says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief. It will be a day on which the heavens will pass away with a rushing noise. The elements be destroyed in, a f in the fierce heat, and the earth and all the works of man be utterly burnt up. Since all these things are thus predestined to dissolution, what sort of men ought you to be found to, to be found to be in all holy living and godly conduct? So there's our mission uh, mixed in, eagerly looking forward to the coming of the day of God by reason of which the heavens are ablaze, will all be, will, I'm sorry, will be destroyed and the elements will melt in the fierce heat. You know, he says that about three different times. But in accordance with his promise, we are expecting new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. Therefore, dear friends, since you have these expectations, earnestly seek to be found in his presence, free from blemish or reproach in peace. So there's a nice 14 verses about the end times and helps us to know what's going on. So let's just finish up here. I, I noticed the time, so I'm going to have to just like maybe skip over some things, but I, I wanted to at least paint the picture 
of world events and what's going on. So the last thing that I wanted to cover is the Believer's Handbook for the End Times. So just real quickly, I'm going to go over this uh, because of time reasons. Here's the first thing for our handbook. We're not of the world. And so we looked at that scripture already, but we're not of the world. But then let's look at the next verses, verse Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with what he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. Have you been saved through faith? I want to stress the point that we're alive. We're the ones that are alive. We shouldn't be deceived and sucked into anything if we're alive. If the rest of those that are not saved, if they're being used, we should not get sucked into that same thing. Okay. Now, here's an interesting thing. You know, I, I found this pick, and this really touched my heart. You know, right after George Floyd and all, all that happened with him, and, and so there was like a lot of tension, but there was this one place where the police came, and I want you to look at this here, uh, what happened. Instead, this, this one young kid, you, you could see that he was hurting, and when the police showed up, is, is, it, it's not working. Yeah, I guess something's wrong there, but uh, is it there? So, you know, so many people were, you know, like it was a very emotional time and everything, and uh, that touched my heart because that policeman, and I, why did I want to show this to you? I, I just showed you a lot of things. As Christians, we shouldn't let that make us angry. We should have compassion and love, and so even though a lot of stuff is going on and there was like a, uh, there was like protests and all that, and it could have got dangerous. This police officer ministered to this young guy, and he started crying. I would like us to be that way, where when other people are angry, we have love and compassion, and we minister. It says speaking the truth in love. Okay, and I that 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 pick really touched me. Okay. So here's another scripture, too. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, You are the children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So that's who we are. Then the second thing is we have a different mission. And, uh, and we're in, in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be pro proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. When is the end going to come? Is global warming and climate change going to bring the end? No, the end comes when Jesus comes back. That's when the end is going to come. And then he's going to rearrange the earth and the heavens, it sounds like, too. So, so we have a mission, and we need to stay focused on the mission. We don't need to get pulled into these things that, that the one world government wants. Uh, if you really follow the money with climate change, you'll see it's a billion-dollar industry, and there's a bunch of people making a lot of money with climate change. Let's not get pulled into that. They have their own little uh, agenda to become more wealthy and more powerful. So we need to be aware of that. Okay, we have a different mission. Uh, and then let's go to number three. We have supernatural equipment. We have the Holy Ghost and power. And then the last thing, uh, I'm just uh, having to skip over that so we can end on time. The, the fourth thing about the handbook, and that's that we have supernatural knowledge. And so these just came to me, and I wrote them down. And here's, here's what we have. We discover who we are in Christ, of course. We have that knowledge. We find out what's right and wrong because we have the Bible. We have Jesus as our wisdom and his word as wisdom and guidance. 
we have prophetic scriptures pointing to end time events, one being the restoration of Israel as a country. We know the beginning from the end because of scripture. We know how it ends as well as how it started. And we know what God expects from us. We know our mission. And our mission, you know, it's really basically two points. I skipped over it somewhere, uh, but let me see if I can find those two points that I saw about our mission. Very simple. It's preach the gospel to the whole world and, uh, and just live. Um, and I, and I, I got too many notes to find it, but we're, we're here to preach the gospel to everyone, and we're here to live like Christ, if you really put it in a nutshell. So let's just say this together, and I invite the worship team back up here. Say this with me. I'm a new creature in Christ. I have revelation knowledge because of God's word of who I am. Because of God's word, I know what's correct and I know what's incorrect. Jesus is my wisdom. His word is my wisdom. His word guides me and and his Holy Spirit guides me. I have prophetic insight because of his word. I know what's coming and I know where I'm going because of his word. I have read and I have seen the beginning, but I also see the end. I live for him. I accept my mission. Speak the truth in love, minister with compassion, lead as many people to Christ as I can because Jesus is returning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.